0: Please be seated, and if you'll turn with me uh, in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, We're going to go through the first 13 verses here, and I'll confess, I wrote a sermon uh, and and got a certain length and realized there is no way this is going to fit in 20 minutes. So I threw it out and started over. And I thought, how can this be distilled down to 20 minutes? Paul says so much here, so much beautiful words about his ministry, his love, the Spirit empowering him. But he really makes two strong statements that he is willing to stake his whole life on. Jesus is real, and Jesus is worth bearing any cost. Reconciliation that he's been teaching about through chapter 5 has uh, carried a great cost. And it's not just personal cost to him, but came at the price of God's own Son. And so we find Paul once again defending his ministry because of the message of salvation being at stake. Those false apostles, the dissension in the church. And so we'll see tonight that nothing will hinder him from bearing the cost for the sake of the Corinthian church and the lost. Let me pray and we'll read God's word. We thank you, Lord, for your word that is put before us, uh, for your prophets, for your apostles that have delivered it to us. And we thank you, God, for the words here. And we pray that they would be seated in our hearts. This is the Spirit's work. The same Spirit that empowered Paul's ministry is the same Spirit that has been given to us It leads us into truth and understanding, and so we ask for that tonight. Ultimately, that Christ might be magnified, that our faith might be in Him alone. So do this work in our midst, we ask, Father, in Jesus' name, Amen. Beginning with verse 1 of chapter 6. Working together with Him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For He says... Calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger by purity and knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, were treated as impostors and yet are true as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as two children, Widen your hearts also. God's Word for His people. Amen? Uh, So we're going to consider, like I said earlier, two points tonight. One, Jesus is real. And two, Jesus is worth it. So Jesus is real. And I know it may seem silly saying that in a church, especially when you've come back out after worshiping this morning. You're coming back out to worship again in the evening. You've gathered to hear his his, His Word. But Paul... Has no problem saying it to the people he has been ministering to. Verse 1, he says, Working together with him, with him who is real, right? With him. Then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. What the real Christ did for you. That's what he's teaching and preaching. Paul is about to give defense of his ministry again and his authority as an apostle and he's going to bear his his whole heart like like an open book before them. What he's experienced as he's ministered to them. He labors for Jesus because Jesus is is real. Jesus called Paul into ministry as he was confronted on the road, going to persecute the church, and Christ appeared to him and he fell down before him. Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Jesus revealing himself to him, Paul's life was transformed in a moment. And he sent Paul out to proclaim the message of Christ. A message for him was real. And was life changing. And Paul personally knows Christ and all that Christ has done for him in bearing his sins and in giving him his righteousness. And he works now together with Christ to, to make his appeal to the Corinthians, to the lost, to, to all those he comes in contact with to receive the grace of God. Christ is real because he says he's with me. We, we, he says we, we work together. With him. He doesn't labor alone, alone or in vain. He was given grace. And he gives grace by preaching Christ. So that each time the gospel is proclaimed, it becomes the, the real day of salvation. He, he quotes in verse 2, Isaiah 49.8, saying, in a favorable time, I listen to you. That's God speaking. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. In doing so, Paul's likening himself to Isaiah the prophet who was given a similar message. And and the whole of Isaiah 48 is important. It it talks about the great cost that this one who is sent is, is going to bear for his people. And here Paul, bearing some of that shame, writes this to them. And it's now the apostle Paul who appeals that the grace, this day of salvation, not be received in vain? Uh, Isaiah 48 opens with Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you, you peoples from afar. I have good news. And Isaiah goes on to say that Jesus, this, this man who was deeply despised and abhorred by the nation that he was sent to save, was God who was answering the cries. salvation and Christ was the answer no other help is coming this is the real hope this is where Paul's been leading us through the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus is real. It's the message. He is the fulfillment of what the prophets spoke. And as an apostle, he, he now carries the, the same authority that Isaiah did with this, this message. It's a, it's a message that he, has, he, he gave to uh, Corinth. And he says, behold the things that I've been declaring to you, everything that I've said, now receive it, not in vain. Behold, He says, this is the day of salvation. A favorable time. This is the message for all of us who would be true ambassadors of Christ. Is Jesus real? Has Jesus really done something For you and in you? Is He real now even as He endures with His church and reigns in heaven? You see, we don't go out into the world and offer some kind of empty word and empty promises. But we offer the very message of Christ Jesus, which is our only hope. And all of it is staked on the very real person of Jesus Christ and what He accomplished for us. And Paul's pleading with the Corinthians that they wouldn't be distracted by by any of these apostles, so to speak, who've come into the church or preaching another gospel or distracted by the fighting that's been going on or distracted that Paul, uh, you know, you you could barely keep your travel plans. Can you be trusted? He says, look, in no way have I hindered the message. With any obstacle or addition, but I have given you the simple and pure gospel that Jesus is real. He says, he opens up 1 Corinthians uh, saying that he has been simple. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He says he doesn't come with eloquency or, or heavy wisdom, but the simple and plain message of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. And he's not afraid to bear any cost whatsoever to bring this message. And he's not afraid to bring to bear that he's weak. That Paul himself is weak and moreover, what does it do? It it shows the surpassing greatness of who Christ is and what Christ has done. And he's going to boast again in a moment. And it's not about his own strength, but all the ways that he has suffered for the sake of Christ. Why would he say that to them? What's the benefit? One, Jesus is real. And he would stake everything Paul would on that reality his life, and his ministry. And any wound he has received for the sake of the gospel is an authentication of his calling. So this is what Paul would have us to know first this night. It is an appeal that it wouldn't be heard in vain, but that it would be seated in your heart. That it would promote action in God's people. You, ambassadors of Christ. That the grace of God in Jesus Christ is for you. It is the day of salvation for all who hear it and respond in faith and repentance. You're not promised tomorrow. We spoke about this last week. And this passage is not divorced. It's it, When we break things into these little pericopes week by week, we forget what came before. But uh, we're not in a different thought for uh, Paul. 2 Corinthians five. 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the message. Believe it. Jesus really died and really walked this earth. And that transforms believers. That really transforms how we act and move in the world. So we come to our second point. Jesus is real and Jesus is worth it. Sadly, Paul's having to defend his ministry again, his authenticity before the people. And it's a painful recollection for him because he's going to have to cycle through some of the painful things that he's had to experience as if to say, how could you not think I love you? How could you not think that that I, I, I care for you? You know, It's the same as a parent, right? When a child questions our love, you go, all the ways that I have shown you, even the ways you haven't seen. Well, Paul's about to recount those and lay bare his heart. That's what verse 11 really says. He's spoken freely to them. His heart is wide open. So he pulls back the curtains of what he is willing to endure for the sake of Christ and says, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. As if to say, don't you see how I love you? In other words, look what I have endured for your sake I am willing to suffer for your good. And his ministry is a a reflection of Christ's own sufferings. If I didn't love you. I mean, if if Paul didn't love them, there is no way anyone would choose to go through this kind of stuff. The same for the disciples, right? I mean, if Christ didn't really rise from the dead, do you think they'd stake their life on it? And they did. Why? (laughs) Christ is worth it. How does he commend himself? He says, for the sake of Christ and your sake, I've endured really several kinds of lists here. One, it's general troubles. Verse 4, afflictions, hardships, calamities. By general, I mean he's faced things that are common to all men. Uh, Affliction and sickness, discouragement, uh, failure, you name it. He say my path has not been easy and hardship and and great calamities have happened from loss of friends, shipwrecks, failed travel plans, failed attempts of gospel proclamation. And he goes on to say the troubles that he has faced from others. Verse 5, beatings, imprisonment, riots, gospel ministry has brought him all kinds of physical hardship. His back, his body, Bears the scars of his love. In fact, he says in chapter 11, I can't imagine being beat so many times that he lost count. He's been thrown into prisons. Riots have formed to drive him away and kill him. Once he was left dead after being stoned. Left as for dead. As if to say in commendation to them, Don't you see? Jesus is worth it. And only a madman would subject himself to this. These scars, Corinth, show how much I love you. Then he says, he also faced self-inflicted troubles. Verse 5, labor, sleepless nights, hunger. This is where I got the message for the children. Ruth and I were laughing because I told her, I said, I don't know what I'm going to say when I get up there. But so much of this sounds like what it's like to raise a child. I never stopped laboring for Christ and for you. He laid awake when they couldn't see Him in anguish of your souls. I had no food at times, because my food was to do the will of my Father for you. And he says that his ministry, in verse 6-7, through seven has been marked by the righteousness that comes from God. He's had a pure ministry towards them. No self, uh, you know, raising self upright. You know, like the people who've come into Corinth thumping their chest. He says, no, it's been pure he has walked in purity before them with the knowledge of God as his guide and message. And he has been patient with their questions and their growth. And he has dealt in kindness towards their ignorance. And he has the Holy Spirit as the, as the power, the force within him that serves as the counter to his own weakness and gives the strength to his message. So that to not believe what he has said would be to not believe the Spirit's work. That's what's at stake here. That's what Paul's arguing for. And his every action towards them, he says, has been in genuine love. Whether in rebuke, having to say hard things to them, or encouragement. And he has always told them the truth, no matter what the cost might be to his personal being. His message has the force of God like weapons in the right hand and the left hand of righteousness. And he bears the necessary weapons against the kind of spiritual warfare that always rises up at the proclamation of the gospel as the people of God obey and do His will in the earth. Do you think that Satan will so willingly give up the prisoners that he holds captive? Or will he not resist? With every nature of spiritual warfare that he can throw at the people of God. He will every time. So Paul holds up the weapons of righteousness against sport, spiritual warfare, against all those things that are spiritual warfare against us it's sin, it's temptation. It's trial and hardship, it's, it's personal and physical attack, it's tiredness, it's, it's fear, it's laziness, it's disunity, it's fighting. All of these things Satan will throw against the effectiveness of the people of God sharing the good news. And Paul has experienced it all. And lastly, he commends himself to them in his own weakness. He goes on to say, the world sees weak things and has little regard to them. Paul's been attacked as weak by his opponents. As they hold up their resumes and their letters of recommendation. Paul writes here and says, here's here's my letter. My resume is my weakness. He says in verses 8 through 9, the world sees me as an imposter. But God sees me as true and the world treats me as known, unknown or with with little regard. But I am known by God and he is seen as dying probably from the severe beatings his whole life probably feels that way in his body with earned wounds, but in reality, he is really living. As long as he is breathing, he is proclaiming Christ. And if he were to die physically, this man knows that I live eternally with the Messiah, the real Jesus, that my life is hidden in him. His condition is sorrowful and to be pitied by the world, but his life He says, there's a dance of praise to Christ. He has nothing to his name by worldly standards, but he says, I am rich in Christ beyond measure. He is brought to nothing in the chains of the gospel, yet he possesses heaven and Christ. It's out of all of this that he speaks with confidence to the Corinthian church in verse 11, imploring them to see how wide open his heart is before them. He has done all of it. Because Jesus. Is worth it. He isn't holding back his affections for them in the gospel. He says you're holding back your own affection. He calls them children in verse 13. To say Christ has given me. This authority. This authority that, that's seeking to be undermined. That you might even deny over you. And to love Christ. Is to love his messengers as well so where does this leave us in application tonight it's not all about paul i know the whole of the sermon seemed that way in one sense i hope that you don't ever face the things that paul had to face perhaps no one uh, has ever had to face the kinds of suffering that paul faced over and over again as if god kept him alive and helped him to persevere through it so that he might experience more all the suffering for the sake of the gentiles His driving strength, though, is Jesus is real and Jesus is worth it. We must grapple with those things tonight. How real is Jesus to you? Is your confession that Christ is Lord and Savior? He did really suffer and die for your sins to give you new life and His righteousness. He did this as Savior and as Lord, He has commissioned you. He reigns and rules over you in authority and He sends you out as His people into the world. Have you received the grace of God in vain? Why do you live and breathe? Is it to serve Him and His purposes in the world? Today is the day of salvation for all those who, sh- who hear the message and believe it and repent. And you've been given this message To take out into the world as the day of salvation. We also see that we are a people under authority. your ministers, your elders, have been given authority over you to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when they come to you about your sin, or teach you the commands of God, your heart should be wide open towards it. Not because there's anything special in Maddenize, your ministers or your elders, but because God has placed them as shepherds over your hearts. Children, the same for your parents. Open wide your hearts to those God has given to you as authority over you. What hinders you from believing the gospel? Do you receive the good news of the gospel in vain? Is there any real change? in your character, in your life? Has believing the gospel cost you anything? For salvation has cost you nothing. But what practically has it cost you in in daily living as ambassadors of Christ? Have you died to yourself? This is a cost. Have you put your neck on the line for the sake of sharing the gospel? Have you even felt... I'm saying this to myself, by the way. Have we even felt discomfort for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of proclaiming Christ? Often it's only imagined discomfort that would stay our mouths. We can easily adopt the position of ambassador, but never speak of him who sent us. Christ doesn't need secret ambassadors, but open ambassadors who say, Today is the day of salvation, it is the favorable time. And often we become the obstacle to the message. Paul said, I place no obstacles, but we ourselves often become the obstacle because we make it stop with us. What fault could be found in your ministry, as verse 3 says? Is it silent mouths? Is it outward living that doesn't reflect the inward realities? There is a cost to bear. This whole section 5 into here has been the cost of reconciliation. There is a cost to bear. And Christ has sent us to bear some cost. To be like the servant who suffered and died for us. Jesus is real. And Jesus is worth it. Amen. Let's pray.